when a young boy starts having horrible stomach pains, he thinks he's just sick. Instead, he laid an egg. An egg. An egg came out of his butt. Then we travel back to the year 1909 to meet a young hypnotist putting on an amazing performance. Everything is going perfectly until the finale begins. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having a ton of fun out there. First off, let's give a shout-out to one of our legacy Patreons coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Give it up for Andrew Light. Everyone give him a round of applause. He's coming in. A pure beam of energy. Andrew, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Tell your friends. Tell your family, talk about it online. That is how you can also help Dead Rabbit Radio. Andrew, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars for the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to take a nice little relaxing rowing trip. It's very, very far. Hope you have been working your upper body. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to Gawa, Indonesia. Splash! Splash! I was recommended this story by Shenanigans on Twitter, so thank you very much for sending me this absolutely, absolutely disgusting story. A lot of times I say, don't eat while you're listening to this podcast. Actually, I don't say it enough. I don't say it enough. I should warn you guys more often. This episode, do not eat. Do not eat. I don't care how much food you've just prepared to sit down and listen to an episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. Don't. Don't do it. If you're a condemned prisoner and this is your last meal, if you're sitting there and you're about to be taken to the gallows and somehow you're listening to this podcast, skip the meal. But thanks, Shenanigan, for sending this story over. We're in Gawa, Indonesia. It's February 2018. And there's a young boy named Akmal walking through town. Oh, I wish I wish someone had driven me. Why am I walking like this? Oh, oh. Akmal gets to the hospital, and the doctors are like, oh, not, not this character again, not Akmal. He walks in, he goes into his normal room, he's like, oh, I know, room six, room six. He opts up on the little gurney. Uh, uh, and the doctors are like, listen, we have Hippocratic Oath, we do have to take care of you, even though you're sick, but we don't really believe you. We don't really believe what's going on is happening. And... It's not like this guy's making up symptoms. It's not like he has, what is it, Munchausen syndrome. It's not like this little 14-year-old boy is pretending his stomach hurts. His stomach really hurts. The doctors are fully aware that his stomach hurts. The doctors know why his stomach hurts. They just don't understand how it hurts. They don't, they, they, this is completely shocking the doctors, and they've seen it before with this young man. As he's laying there on the little gurney, A little egg pops out of his butthole and rolls across the gurney. And the doctor's like, Akmal, that is impossible. That what we just saw is impossible. Humans cannot lay eggs. Now, Shenanigans sent me this story. I go, this is so gross. I don't really like eggs that much to begin with. And here's a human laying an egg. How do I know the eggs I get from the store are actually from chickens? And I was telling my friend Sabine about the story, and she goes, that's impossible. Humans can't lay eggs. 
I look at her and I go, yes, in normal world, but in Dead Rabbit Radio world, it is possible. I just can't cover this story and go, that's impossible. That's not fun. And there's video footage of this. Now, Sabine did not want to watch the video footage. And this is where the story really gets interesting, because there's two layers to this. One is a human laying eggs. That's interesting enough, but we know that's impossible. But doctors are saying this is happening. There's photographs. There's video footage. So the other interesting part is the investigative side. Here's what we know. This kid, he'd been doing this since 2016. Between 2016 and 2018, he has laid 20 eggs. Sometimes, he would lay more than one in a day. Eggs coming out of his butt. The family's like, mm -mm -mm, this is delicious. Hey, Akmo, how's your stomach doing? He's like, oh, they're like, perfect. Eggs for breakfast. They're taking these eggs and they're cracking them open. And oddly enough, the eggs are either all yolk or all white. The doctors go, this is impossible. A human can't lay eggs. But when they take an x-ray of him, there's eggs in him. There's, there's eggs in his body. Just one at a time. But there is an egg up there in the x-ray. And the doctors are thinking, Akmal is either swallowing eggs whole, which is a feat. That's, that's bizarre enough, right? He's either swallowing eggs whole, they're working their way down his digestive tract, or more likely... He's stuffing them up his butthole. And they hurt. Your butthole's not supposed to hold a chicken egg or really any egg, an ostrich egg. And he's pooping them out. But they can't prove it. They have a 14-year-old boy coming in complaining of stomach cramps and his family saying, no, he's not sticking them up his butt. He's laying eggs. The doctor's like, that is impossible. And this is where we get to the video videos. It's really interesting. Daily Mail. It's almost like lost media. Because there is a full video out there somewhere of Akmal laying an egg. But really what it is, it's a 14-year-old boy having an egg come out of his butthole. So that video is not... I don't think that video is legal. I'm sure the doctors, I'm sure the doctors didn't even want to see it. They're like, ah. There is a blurred screenshot on the Daily Mail. There's like a screenshot of it and you see the egg coming out, but it's like super blurry and you really don't want to see what the blur is anyways. And there is a portion of the video. They show Akmal laying in this hospital bed, like this hospital rolling gurney thing. And he's he he's obviously in pain. He's groaning. Oh, he's clucking. He's pulling feathers out. He's obviously in pain. And then they cut to the egg on the gurney, and he's just kind of like slumped around. He's like, oh, finally. And for whatever embarrassing reason, I don't know if the staff of hospitals in Indonesia are 13-year-old girls, or they just let a bunch of 13-year-old girls in, but I swear, like, the video ends with Akmal <laughs> just laying an egg. There's a bunch of really, really young girls taking photos of the egg with their cell phones. How'd they get in there? That would be so embarrassing. It'd be embarrassing enough to lay an egg in front of your family. And then, I mean, that would just be weird. But then laying an egg in front of a doctor, at least maybe he can help you. But just imagine a bunch of random girls walked in and they're like, oh, this will be on my TikTok. Sorry, Akmal, but that appears to have happened. He's all passed out. He doesn't even know until he's trending. If you go to the Daily Star, they have a longer version of the video, but they don't actually show the egg coming out of the butthole. And that's fine. I mean, as far as I wanted to research on this, I'm totally fine in not actually seeing that. 
But the whole video is out there somewhere because the Daily Mail had a screenshot of the egg coming out of the butthole. And the doctors are saying that it's impossible for humans to lay eggs. And when you go to the debunking websites for this, that's their answer. Humans can't lay eggs. It's impossible. But that is, UFOs are impossible. Bigfoot being undiscovered for this long is impossible. Like, you could just, that's not really skepticism by just going, that's, that's impossible. I mean, that's like lazy skepticism. So I needed an answer to this. We all know this is impossible, but we cover the impossible on this show. Is this boy actually laying eggs? As time has progressed in the story of Akmal, and they're able to... I don't know why they didn't... I do not know why they didn't test this on day one. But around 2018, 20 eggs later, they do test the eggs. They're chicken eggs. And now the skeptic community goes, a human cannot lay chicken eggs. Well, that's, that's no different than what you're saying before. We know a human can't lay chicken eggs, but here is a man, a boy... Laying a chicken egg. Explain that, science. You saw the x-rays. Science is leaving the room. I'm still yelling at him. You saw the x-rays. How does the egg not break in his butthole? They don't explain it. All like It was so hard. I, was, I go, there has to be a rational explanation for this. That gives us more information. Yes, it is an impossible for a human to lay a chicken egg. Yes. But he's doing it. And there was just a lot of articles written around February 2018 when the story made it mainstream. And then a couple websites tried debunking it, and there, then there was nothing. And that's usually how we see these stories go. Like, some event will happen, everyone will cover it, and then no one will ever give you a follow-up. We've run into that a lot on this show, and I really have to dig through stuff. And whenever you try search terms, it brings you back to this flurry of articles in February 2018, because that's when it was mostly talked about. You have to change your Google search terms for anything after February 2018. And I found something. I found something. If you look for the story of Akmal, you will find everything I talked to about. But if you change your search filters for anything after that big mainstream news flurry of articles, you'll find an article written in April 2018 called Hatching Hoaxes by Kenneth Young for the Indonesian expat. Kenneth verified the video. I don't, I don't know if he watched it himself, but Kenneth said, yes, there are videos that exist of a boy pooping out eggs, but he was stuffing them up his own butthole. Without a doubt, he was stuffing them up his own butthole. And it had nothing to do with the fact that boys can't lay eggs or girls can't lay eggs or any human can't lay a chicken egg. It had to do with the fact that eventually the child protection unit of Gawa, the child protection unit of Gawa began investigating this and they discovered this boy was suffering from emotional disturbances and was sticking eggs up his own butt. So they took him, they're treating him for psychiatric problems. Everything is normal in the world. And we wish the best for Akmal. And that's the end of the egg story, right? Humans can't lay eggs, right? Well... As I was researching this story, the one thing that got the doctor so flummoxed is humans can lay egg-like objects. This is 100% true. I do not recommend looking this up. I do not recommend looking at photos of this. There is a thing called peritoneal loose bodies. 
And it's where a piece of fat from your abdominal cavity kind of breaks loose. Have you ever heard of diverticulitis? You're like, I've heard of it, Jason. I've never heard it pronounced like that before. It's where your intestines get inflamed, like a little seed gets stuck somewhere and it gets inflamed and it's super painful. This is something similar to that, but a piece of your abdominal cavity breaks off. I know I didn't pronounce it right, we're just going to keep going with it. The snowman, the yetis in your stomach. It breaks off of your, this little piece of fatty tissue breaks off of the wall and your body starts floating around. It begins to calcify. It's just this piece of fat that begins to grab onto things passing by. It's like, oh, that looks delicious. Little piece of a baguette. Nom, 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 nom. Mmm, pickles. Nom, 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 nom. And it calcifies and it gets thick and hard and large. Now, usually, it's very small. And you poop it out and you have no idea it's in there. But, but, Sometimes, these things, so disgusting, sometimes, just flashing back to these pictures I saw, sometimes, these things will grow bigger than a chicken egg. But, it looks exactly like a chicken egg. 100%. There's photos of them reaching into, they had to to do surgery to get one out of this guy. There's photo of them reaching into his guts. And there's just an egg a perfectly white, clean egg sitting in this dude's intestines. This one doctor was shocked. He had his old man come in. He was complaining of this horrible stomach pain. They couldn't figure it out. He hadn't pooped in four days. They're trying to flesh him out. He's like, this isn't helping. This isn't helping. So they had to go in. This is like an emergency thing. They go in and the doctor goes, is that an, did you guys see that? Is that an egg in this dude? And they pulled it out. It was like five inches around. It was this massive, it's twice the size of a chicken egg. But it was white and that oval egg shaped. Then they cut it open. And because it's a piece, <laughs> I'm going to keep describing it. Because it's a piece of fat and has all this calcium, all these calcium deposits around it, when they slice it in half, in the middle of it is this squishy, I don't know if it's squishy. It looks squishy. I didn't touch the picture. It was this squishy looking grayish yellow circle. And the rest of the egg shape was a hard white substance. It looked just like a hard boiled egg. Exactly. Exactly like a hard boiled egg. First off, can you imagine what that smelled like? Right, Jason? Jason, why'd you even say that? I didn't think about that. Can you imagine what it smelled like when they cut it in half? Two, humans can lay egg-like items. So we're going all the way back around. All those articles just saying they can't lay eggs, they can't lay eggs, they can't lay eggs. And yes, they can't lay an egg. A human can't lay an egg, and it can't lay a chicken egg. But there is a chance that tonight you... (laughs) You will be sitting there and you're like, oh man, what a delicious meal. And as you're you're patting your tummy, mm, mm, mm-mm-mm. Because that's what I do after eating a meal. I rub my tummy. A little piece of fat breaks loose from your abdominal wall. It's floating around. You you pat it a little too hard. And then pretty soon, oh, my stomach. You're Jason, why are you making your listeners go through pain for science? And then time will go on and you'll swear there's an egg inside of you. And you're telling your doctors, I think there's an egg in me. And they'll be like, that's impossible. 
that is impossible. And you look at the camera and you wink, ding, because you know the truth. You know the truth. I don't know why you want to just tell him you had one of these peritoneal loose bodies. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. I don't know why I'm winking at a non-existent camera. This could happen to you, dude. You're not going to stick eggs up in your butt. We know that is not going to happen. But you could lay an egg-shaped object soon. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while. I can't say it'll happen tonight. See, don't believe them when they just say that's impossible. It was. It technically was impossible. They didn't... It wasn't an egg. But I just kept digging. And because I kept digging, I was able to share the fact with you that someday you may lay a giant egg-shaped object. Andrew Light, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Jakarta. We're waving goodbye. I really hope Akmal is doing better. We are headed out to Somerville, New Jersey. You know what's funny? I, this both of these stories are really about like the discovery of things. I, I didn't I didn't know humans could lay egg-shaped things. I never imagined what they could smell like if they did, but now I do. Now I know those things. And this is the same thing. Whenever I thought about hypnotism, I thought it was a parlor trick at best. And I don't want to say a scam, but a joke at worst. Or maybe a scam. Because, you know, you'd see those commercials or those ads in magazines about hypnotize me to stop smoking or to, to stop eating. Stop eating so many eggs. Stop eating so many of those eggs that your children are laying for you in that human farm out back. And I always thought, you know, maybe there's something behind it, but I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, we were at the county fair or the state fair, and there was a hypnotist on stage. And he was asking for volunteers. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And my dad, I don't know how old I was. I probably was about, I don't know, 9 or 6 or 12 or 24. I don't remember. But I remember thinking, I remember saying, my dad's not a telepath, I had to say this out loud, he go, I want to volunteer. My dad put his hand on my shoulder and he says, never volunteer for a hypnotist. Very, 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 very weird parental advice, right? Very specific. And here's why. He goes, never ever volunteer for a hypnotist because you don't know what they're going to have you do on stage. They may embarrass you, Jason. Hmm, I never thought about that. I never thought about that because apparently I was 9 or 6 or 12 or 24 and I'd never seen a hypnotist before. This was the first time I'd ever run into a hypnotist. Because if you believe in hypnotism, you could go up there and he goes, act like a gorilla. And that's kind of funny because that's a mighty beast. You're banging on your chest. You're stealing bananas. You grab a hot blonde and climb up the whirly wheel. He could say, be a donkey. That's, that's not a fun, impressive creature. And then come out being hypnotized, you're in the middle of Mexico, you've been carrying pails of water for some dude for the past three months. But I always thought it was a parlor trick. I thought a lot of it was persuasion. Persuading people. Plus, I've heard this before too, when you go up to get hypnotized on stage, and they're like, you're sleepy, you're sleepy, and then you pretend you're asleep, and he goes, be a duck. You don't want to ruin the guy's show. You just go along with it and be the duck. I've heard that before as well. I always thought hypnotism was either quack science or just a joke or an act. But I did a bunch of research on hypnotism. And it's so funny, when I started researching this story, I thought, oh, I'm not going to do a huge overview on hypnotism. Everyone knows what it is. But as I kept researching, I thought, I don't really even know what hypnotism is. Hypnotism. So I'm going to do this overview. I'm going to do this overview. Hypnotism is 
thousands of years old. But that's like self-hypnotism. That's meditation, becoming one with the universe, eliminating all thought. Thousands of years old. But the way we think of hypnotism with going, you are getting sleepy, I'm going to give you commands you're going to do, that is super recent. Late 1800s. That is very, very recent in human history. And it used to be called mesmerism because it was named after Franz Mesmer. He was the guy who believed this thing called animal magnetism that you could affect people simply by your presence. He was kind of the forefather of hypnotism, and that's why they originally called it mesmerism, and that is a term that's used interchangeably. So hypnotism, two people sitting across from each other and one going into the other person's thoughts and controlling them, super recent. And it, it, this is what makes me think it's not a quack science. And a quack science would basically be like a healing crystal. Your knee hurts. I'm going to put this crystal on your knee. Your knee doesn't hurt anymore. The crystal did it. And you don't think of the fact that you weren't trying to balance a crystal on your knee, so you kept it elevated for a long period of time. You weren't putting weight on it. That's probably why your knee is better. That's quack science. It doesn't really work. This stuff works, apparently, like based on this research, works so well, it's very, very dangerous. Extremely dangerous to hypnotize people. June 22nd, 1903 in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania. There was an amateur hypnotist, and this is very, we're going to see a thread here through these stories. John Hilday, an amateur hypnotist, he's at a local bar. He sees a pretty girl named Jenny B. Berninski. It's a parlor trick. He's just trying to get the attention of a pretty girl. Hey, how would you like to be hypnotized? She says, yeah, sure. And he puts her under. He does his little hypnosis thing and actually puts her into a state of unconsciousness. But he can't bring her back out of it. She's stuck like that. Until 2 p.m. the next day. That happened on June 22, 1903. This article in the Clinton County Times newspaper was published on June 26th, four days later. And in that article, it said she was still in critical condition. And there was no follow-up to that. There was no Google search I could find after that. She was catatonic for hours and hours and hours on end, and when they brought her out, she was still in critical condition four days later. There's a website called the Brookside Center for Counseling and Hypnotherapy. They say, this is very, very important if you are going to do hypnotism. I never even thought about this before. I just thought it was some goofy thing. Never, ever use hypnotism to treat people for something that you don't know how to treat without hypnotism. There's a thing called dental hypnosis where the dentist will hypnotize you to help you remain calm during the procedure. They'll still give you all the pain medication. They'll still do the Novocaine. But some people have tremendous anxiety with going to the dentist, and some dentists use dental hypnosis. And at the Brookside Center for Counseling and Hypnotherapy, they tell this story. There was a dentist who did this, and it was very, very successful. And his patient goes, you know what? I used to have such horrible issues with going to the dentist, but now I don't. And thank you for your hypnotherapy. Could you use your hypnotherapy to help me stop smoking? He says, yeah, sure. Totally. So he does. He uses the same hypnotherapy techniques to get this woman to stop smoking. And she does stop smoking. But she's hit with crippling anxiety, crippling depression. She can't go through the day without being overloaded by obsessive thoughts. Eventually, she can't even complete normal everyday tasks. 
Never ever use hypnosis for something that you can't treat without hypnosis. He doesn't know how to get someone to stop smoking. But he did it anyways, and he messed with her mind. It's fascinating, because you're basically fiddling around with the brain, is what you're doing. And this makes me think it's real, because if it was a hoax, then there would be really no downside to it. You also, it's interesting, you have to be careful what you say. This is bordering on like a wishmaster curse. According to the journal Clinical Hypnosis, Principles and Applications, there's a story about a burn patient who was having difficulty eating. They don't want to eat anymore. So they hypnotized them and put them under and said, it's okay, you can eat. Eat everything on your plate. You'll be fine. It's okay. Well, one day this burn patient was eating and got sick and began to vomit, began to throw up all the food they had just eaten, and the vomit was hitting the plate. And after they were done vomiting, someone walked into the room and this burn patient was eating the vomit not even thinking about it. Clean your plate. Eat everything on your plate. It's rewiring of the human brain. It's easy to mess stuff up with. But all of those stories really pale in comparison to where we're going now. Andrew, land this carboner copter in Somerville, New Jersey. It's November 8th, 1909. We're at the Somerville Opera House, so I hope you guys brought your tuxes. Hope you guys are always dressed in your finest clothing before you listen to this podcast. There's a traveling magician slash hypnotist, obviously. Otherwise, I would have done a whole overview on magic, named Professor Arthur Everton. And he's on stage and he's like, do I have a volunteer? Who wants to be part of my hypnotist show? And my old time dad is holding old timey Jason. And he's like, let's leave now. People get nervous during hypnotist shows. People don't always want to go up on stage. So there's a term for an assistant. They're called a horse because they lead the audience on. It's very, very common for hypnotists to have this. When you're calling for an audience member to step up on stage, what if nobody does? <laughs> That's kind of a bummer after hypnotist. There's not anything else you can do. So hypnotists have these people called horses. And Arthur Everton's horse is his good buddy, Robert Simpson, a 35-year-old man. They both used to be piano movers. That was his job before he broke into the hypnotist game. He was just a hard-working dude, Arthur. And that's where he met Robert. He goes, hey, I'm doing this hypnotist thing. Would you like to join me on tour? And Robert's like, nah, I don't think so. And then he gets hypnotized. The next thing he knows, he's in like a showgirl outfit. He's like, oh, how did I get here? Robert Simpson is the horse, so he'll jump up, he'll get on stage, they do the thing, and then other people go, oh, that looks fun. Betty, go, you go up there. And other people start doing it. The hardest time to get people on stage is the beginning and the end, because stuff gets more and more ludicrous as the show goes on. So someone goes up, you realize it's not that bad, a bunch of normal people go up, and then to finalize the show, you have someone else go up if no one else volunteers. Now, in this particular situation... Robert Simpson was the final horse because no one else was volunteering. Robert Simpson, it was his job to volunteer at last. Oh, shucks. I guess I'll do it. He goes up on stage. When I'm saying these people are the horses, their accomplices is what they are. They are truly being hypnotized. They're not faking it. They are truly being put under. It's just, I don't want to make it think that it's some scam. They are actually hypnotizing them, but... They're just, they know the process. They know the guy they're totally comfortable with, that they're fine with walking around pretending they're a chicken, stuff like that. Or really thinking they're a chicken because they're actually hypnotized. 
Arthur has other assistants. It's his full show. I mean, I say he's an amateur hypnotist. I mean, he has a production company. He, he is on tour. So he has assistants. And they're bringing out these two chairs. And they set them about six feet apart. He brings Robert up and he starts doing his pitch. And he goes, I'm going to hypnotize you, Robert. And you're going to become stiff as a board. That's pretty easy, right? Some guy's probably like, oh, man, I should have volunteered for that. That sounds easy. And so he hypnotizes Robert. And Robert gets sleepy, sleepy, and then becomes as rigid as a board, standing up. Arthur's two assistants then grab Robert and place him across the chairs. So his head was on the back of one of these chairs, and his ankles were on the back of another one. That's impossible. To, I mean, maybe if you had a really good core workout, if you really nailed your planks, you could do that. But to have the back of your head on one chair and then nothing supporting you and then your ankles on the other chair, this man's truly hypnotized. That's not the whole trick. I mean, that's enough of a feat that a man is perfectly still between these two chairs. But this is the finale of the show. Arthur jumps up on one of the chairs and walks across Robert. He's standing on Robert who is still stiff as a board. And Arthur begins to jump up and down. <laughs> Arthur begins to jump up and down on this dude and then walks off of him. I'm assuming he didn't step on his face. Takes a little bow. Amazing act. Everyone's applauding. The two assistants take Robert off of the chairs, stand him back up, and then Arthur goes, Relax! Robert immediately goes limp. And as he is crumpling down, the back of his head hits one of the chairs. He's now just laying motionless on the ground. Some people are still clapping. They still think this is all great. So I've never seen a man crumple like that. Woo! Encore! Arthur realizes something is wrong right away. And the audience realizes as well when he begins calling for old-timey 911. Back then it was just one. Eventually the doctors show up. And Arthur is standing over Robert going, wake up, wake up, the hypnosis is over, wake up, and he's giving these commands to come out of this trance, and Robert's just laying there, the doctor's looking at each other, and they're like, what, well, they get close, now, and nowadays, if this type of situation would happen, you'd take you to the hospital, they'd start running brain scans on you, back then, these doctors get there, and they go, this man is clearly dead, he's dead, they really don't have any other way to test them other than cutting them up to see if his heart's still beating. But his heart isn't beating. I mean, they at least have stethoscopes and stuff like that. They weren't caveman doctors. But nowadays, they would still take you to the hospital just to figure it out. But the doctors declare him dead of the scene, and Arthur goes, he's not dead, he's just hypnotized. Wake up. Wake up, Robert. Robert, come out of the trance. He spends hours trying to revive Robert. And the doc because again the doctors know that he's dead. It's not like they're like, well if you let us take him, you know, 30 minutes ago we would have saved him. The doctors by the time they get there he was dead. They don't know what killed him yet, but they can tell that he's dead. And Arthur is arrested for manslaughter. And he is adamant. You got to give me another chance. They're like we do. We gave you a couple hours of chances. He goes, "Okay, you're right. But what if I brought in another hypnotist? One of the greatest hypnotists that I have a phone number to. There's a lot of great ones out, but I can contact this guy. His name is William Davenport. He's actually a professor at Columbia University and an expert hypnotist. Arthur explains what's going on, and William goes, Oh, the man is clearly 
simply hypnotized. Did you did you try waking him up for hours on end? Of course. William comes to the morgue. <laughs> this guy's been dead for a while now. William comes to the morgue. The doctors are down there. The police are down there. Arthur's down there. And we have this quote from this news article. William is standing over Robert and saying, quote, Bob, your heart. Bob, your heart. Your heart is beating. Bob, your heart action is beginning. It is beginning. Oh, I say, Bob, look. Your heart is beginning to beat. He does this for four hours. And sometimes he's being very polite. Sometimes he's talking very politely to Robert. Other times he's screaming in his ear. Bob, your heart action is strong. Bob, your heart begins to beat. But it doesn't work. At this point, since all of the all of the hypnotism tricks have been tried, they do an autopsy on Robert. He died of a ruptured aorta. Didn't have anything to do with the blow on the back of his head. And the question is, the fact that Arthur was jumping him down on his chest, did that have to do with the ruptured aorta? And the coroner goes, no. The coroner goes, we can actually tell, based on everyone who was in the audience and Arthur and all the assistants, when Robert died. He didn't die when he was being jumped on. He would have crumpled there immediately. He would totally ruin the show. Arthur jumped up and down on his chest, walked off. They picked him up. Held him upright for a bit. And then Arthur said, relax. That is when he died. That is when his aorta ruptured. It's possible that his aorta would have ruptured if he had simply sat in the audience a little bit longer. We cannot say definitively. I mean, to be fair, a <laughs> dude jumping up and down on your chest probably didn't help things. But the coroner said this was an accidental death. Arthur stopped being a hypnotist after that. I don't think he could probably get any more assistance. He stopped being a hypnotist at that. He only shows up one other time in history. I got this from a Mysterious Universe article. This cool little detail will be in the show notes. He got busted for running liquor during Prohibition. And as he was being arrested, he told the officers, you guys are lucky. I could have hypnotized all of you. I could have hypnotized all of you and gotten away scot-free. I have a bunch of chairs. I have a bunch of chairs I could lay you on. They're like, get in the car, you rum bum. So even then, later, even though he wasn't a hypnotist on stage, he was still boasting of his hypnotic powers. Maybe he perfected them over time. Maybe it was just a boast. It's a terrifying story to think about. It's either the story of a hypnotist who had an unfortunate accident and lost his best friend, or the story of a hypnotist who got a little too big for his britches and performed a feat of strength and mental mind control. That got his friend killed. But then there's another version of it. Let's put on our conspiracy caps to wrap it up like this. What if Arthur and William were right? What if he was just hypnotized? He was told to go as stiff as a board. Basically inanimate. And Robert complied. When he was told to relax, his body became loose. But he didn't awake. His mind was still in a body that couldn't move, that couldn't speak. It was trapped from the outside world. And he hears his friend standing over him. Wake up, Bob. Wake up. And he can't. 
He's waiting for the right combination of words, the right command to pull him back into the world of the living, where his senses are fully functional and he can have a good laugh and a drink with his buddy afterwards. But he's trapped there for hours. He can hear his buddy calling his name and he can't wake up. He feels himself being lifted up by strange hands thrown onto a gurney, thrown in the back of an ambulance, taken to the county morgue. He loses track of time, how long he's in that solid black room. There's no sound. There's no light. There's no warmth. Until he feels motion, and the morgue door is slid open, And his little cart is dragged out of this small hole in the wall. Where he can once again see light. And for four more hours, he sees Arthur out of his peripheral vision. Worried. Surrounded by police officers. He sees a man he's never met. Commanding him to come back to life. Commanding his heart to start beating again. Robert wants nothing more, but the right combination of words hasn't been said yet. He is still asleep. Eventually, he is put back into his small cubbyhole in the morgue for another indeterminable amount of darkness and fear. Until one more time, that door is slid open. He is brought out as men wearing masks stand around him prepared to do an autopsy. He is still alive when they cut into his skin. The coroners don't understand how no one realized this until just now. But Robert was still alive. And they knew this would be the end of their careers if this news got out. So one of them takes a small scalpel and simply nicks Robert's aorta. Robert never woke up from his hypnotically induced coma. But as he bled out in that morgue, Robert was finally released from the prison of his own body. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.